0: Good afternoon, ladies and
1: gentlemen. Will you fasten your seat belts for the takeoff, please? Thank you. Kia ora, hello, and welcome to Sound Salad, where we toss around all things spoken and all things heard. Brought to you by Audiobooks New Zealand, New Zealand's leading producer of audio content. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sound Salad. I am here today with wonderful Martin Crump. Now I'm going to read a little bit of a bio just because I should and because I can before I let him, you know, take us away and regale us. Martin Crump is a writer, broadcaster and MC. He has worked as a radio host for News Talk ZB, Radio Pacific, Radio Live... His feature book, In Search of the Great Kiwi Yarn, 2007, is a collection of thematically linked Kiwi stories and tales. Martin Crump, son of Barry Crump, has also been instrumental in the publication of his father's series For Children, Professor Pingwit and the Punga People, 2009. Crump is available to visit schools as part of the Writers in Schools programme as well. Now, I don't really need to say a lot of that because I think <laughs> your reputation sort of precedes you in a lot of ways. And I know you've had a very eclectic array of professions, but perhaps you could give us a little bit of a sort of wander through your CV, I guess, like how how you ended up to become an author. What what what, what led you from all of these titles that you had into the direction that you're in?
0: Hey, well, thanks for having me here. Great to be here. And I, look, there's no other no other way around it. It was my father, of course, that... that has led me to this pace right now, whether I wanted to be here or not. Um, it Certainly, with the name, it gives you a toe in the door, but it won't last for very long if you haven't got much to offer. So that's exactly where, where it started. And, of course, being the son of, people expect a little something from that. Not all of Crump's sons are storytellers or writers, but I can tell you this, most of them can write. Uh, perhaps a little shy to, because their shoes... You want to be a little bit scared of filling because Barry, Absolutely. Well, Barry did such a good job. But <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was approached by Hotumara and Beckett to be the front person for Search for the Great Kiwi Yarn, and I thought that was a great idea. Yeah, yeah. So I did, and I didn't. And they asked me to write twenty stories of my own, and I didn't know whether I could write. But one thing that I did know is that I I, I used to tell stories a lot to my children, so. And I did. And whenever the power would go off or anything like that, the children loved that, they'd get candle going, come on, Dad, tell us the stories. And I'd, and I'd tell them stories. And so I started writing some of those down. Half past nine at night, I'd clear the decks, so I'd get a cup of tea, going, get my rollies and roll up my rollies because nice. I was smoke, smoking in those days. <laughs> and I'd write them. And, and the good thing was that my, my wife, uh, Jill would be brutally honest, sometimes very hurtfully so, but uh,
1: nice.
0: but you have <laughs> some things you have to know and, yeah. and stories that work or don't work, what you think may work, may not. Yeah. So I started writing down stories that I was telling my children and that seemed to work. And uh, so I, I ended up getting some published. And so surprise, surprise, here we go. And I've, I've actually uh, – Barry was asked to write a children's story. Yeah. Because uh, he wrote – Mrs. Windy Flax and the Punga people yes. teamed up with Murray Ball
1: yes. from yes. Foot Rock Flax. Yep.
0: And that first story was such a success, the publisher said, Can you write five more? So Barry wrote five more more of the Mrs. Windy Flax or the Punga people stories. Yeah, yeah. And it all happened from a pair of little shoes, girls' shoes, that he found at Punakaiki on the top of the South Island. And that's where the Punga people started, because he said they were stolen by the Punga people. And so this is all. This is where this started from. Amazing. So, Barry, so Barry had actually written for, and completed and published four of the Punga people's stories, but after then he passed away before he finished the other two. So yeah. I, so I found the unfinished manuscript of Professor with the Punga people, and posthumously I finished that off with my father. Sold yeah. fifteen thousand copies. Went really well, and it seemed to run quite seamlessly. The sixth story is called Chief Terry in the Punga people.
1: Yes, yep.
0: And there were about eight st- those paragraphs. They call stanzas. This is yes. these things I find out as I go along. So I found out, and there was about eight stanzas. There's about thirty six in the book, but Barry had left about eight behind. But it was written a little bit str- funny because he, well, he that was just what he was doing. It was just an exercise at that stage. Mm. So I finished that off, and we've got that one yet to be published. So I finished that, and I'm really happy with it. I reckon it's the strongest of the Punga people. So so these things are are, are what I've done. I've written, I've got uh, two, three children's stories of my own Mm -hmm. from past experiences, so children's stories I've written myself, um, waiting to see if they're going to be published or not as well. I just love telling the stories.
1: You started to write your own sort of children's sort of literature, I suppose, to get yourself in the in, in the headspace to work on yeah, the punga. Is, is that, that right? Exactly. That's that's yeah. that's
0: how it started. I went to the zoo with my uh, with my, my children because we became friends of the zoo because we live next door to the zoo. Right. And if you don't go during the daytime when all the animals are lying about doing absolutely nothing and you can't be bothered with the tourists because you feel a bit like that, all the people yeah, looking yeah. through the window. Yep. Go late in the day; they change completely. So here we are. We're having the most maddest experience at the zoo. Camels running up and down. The hippo is climbing up the cage and batting those huge eyelids, eyelashes at my baby girl, my little Ollie, in the pram. So I've got yeah. my, I've got three of my children at that stage, and they're all tiny. And my baby Ollie is in the pram, and the craziest things start happening. <laughs> this hippo goes mad and starts climbing up the cage and batting the eyelids and swimming up and down and around. And the camels running up and down and. Things are getting quite out of control, and I 'm getting a bit concerned are we going to make it out so we sneak <laughs> out to the pride lands and we 're going through the pride lands and by the way, my baby Ollie is a redhead with big freckles right uh-huh right this is part of the story and it's this is true as I'm riding this bike we're coming up <laughs> yeah. to the we're coming up to the pride lands you know the big platforms they have got there
1: yes yeah yeah yep. big,
0: big giraffe comes over, reaches over and wraps her tongue around my baby Ollie's Arm and starts lifting her out of the pram. No, I'm not. I tell you why she'd lost her child, and because my baby was a redhead, and she started taking my Ollie away, and this was that's the part I am making up. The rest of it's actually quite true so i di- oh, so I did the book Ollie in the Zany Zoo, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and, that,
0: and that's how that one started because the animals were behaving a bit crazy that yeah, day, yeah, yeah, so I've made this whole thing up about Ollie being um, estranged because of her red head and in the back of the bus and the the bus trip to the zoo,
1: and off we go, and
0: that's that story there,
1: yeah, yeah, mm. do you find it like well, and I suppose easy' is probably the worst word to use, really, isn't it, but I mean, it seems like it seems like those sorts of serendipitous ideas, like the little pair of red shoes, like a like a hippo or a giraffe going a little bit AWOL one day, like those tiny little seed ideas. Mm. I mean, they're only moments, they're tiny notions. Mm. But somehow, I don't know what it is, either with discipline or with just, you know, a very extensive imagination, being able to crack something like that into something that's pretty large and iconic, you know, like, yeah, I don't know.
0: I I love that. And that's where it starts, that little tiny acorn. Yeah. I had a fight with my mother, and I'm eight years of age. And I'm living in New Lynn, just up the road here.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And we've had a big scrap, me and mum. And so I've pedalled off on my my bicycle, and I've pedalled all the way to Western Springs. And in those days, there was a bit of gravel road involved.
1: Yeah, I I was born in
0: 59, so it's a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. So we've had this big scrap, and I've pedalled off. and, And I got to Western Springs at the back of one of the big creeks that run down the side. Yeah. And there I recognize a child who was a bit bigger than me, actually, by the way. He's about 12. He's about a few years older than me. And he was breaking open duck eggs and using the little ducklings as bait to catch eels. It horrified me. Wow. I couldn't stand what this guy and He was a bully and not a very nice person from from the area, too. So while his back was turned, I picked up the last egg out of the nest, a little bit of the nest, stuck it down my jersey, and then pedaled all the way home. Forgot about fighting with mum and pedaled all the way home again. Mm. And I got home. And I told mum, she told me off running away, and she said, well, what are you going to do with that? And I said, we would do something with it. So we put it in the hot water cupboard in the kitchen. Yeah. You go on with life as you do, yeah. but three days later we're having dinner and it's, we're hearing this tap. What, what's it, what? Open up the hot water cupboard door and it's Paddles. Paddles was born. <laughs> Paddles Peddles had fallen about four or five feet off the hot water cylinder and was on the ground. I don't know how Paddles survived that for a start. Jesus. So open up the door and I was Paddles' mum. So oh, I've, I've still got a photo of, of paddles eating uh, warm bread and milk that I'd got for paddles. We rang the zoo up, oh, Mum did, and she found out you can't keep a wild duck. Paddles lasted 11 days in reality. Yeah. But in my story, paddles had a fantastic life with me. Yes. And she sorted out that we saw the mean kid in the neighbourhood.
1: Yeah, petals yeah.
0: dro- Paddles dropped the lunch on the mean boy's head and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and that's how the story goes. So I've got a story called Paddles and Me going on, and it all happened from a fight with Mum and an escape to the Western Springs. So these stories are actually in a lot of our childhood, or yes. in a lot of our in our life, if we want to look at it. Yeah. And it's just imagine, it's just just your imagination where it takes you after that, and mm. away you go, and how you tell the story. Yeah. So that's what I've that's little bit about what how, how those two stories how
1: those came about gosh i love it i love those little stories um oh, what was i going to oh yes next one was a little question that i'm asking everyone is whether or not they remember their first audiobook experience now it doesn't have to be something from childhood you could have just heard your first audiobook perhaps i don't know a year ago who knows but do you have a recollection of it?
0: I do. Yeah. And it, my stepfather, who was a, a wonderful man uh, yeah. and, and, my, and my good buddy, uh, got a little bit crook uh, later in his life, mm-hmm. couldn't see too good. Yeah. Um, and that sort of thing, reading, and he loved reading, and he loved Westerns and war stories. Yeah. And we were great We were great mates, my stepfather and I. he was been my good buddy. And I remember him lying down on the couch listening to, oh, it might have been War of the Worlds or one of those. Mm. You know, so, um so I ended up lying down on the couch uh, listening to it with him. Yeah. And I listened to two or three books with him that way, and that was the first audio book I ever, I ever, I ever had to listen to, and I didn't realise how much I enjoyed uh, yeah. being told a story to, which I loved. I mean,
1: yeah.
0: I was also lucky in my life to be in the, to be with my father for quite some time, yeah. and, and he was um, one of the greatest storytellers you'll ever be lucky enough to be in the company of. And, yeah. I, and I say that apart from being a son, mm. I say that he's a great storyteller. No yes. matter who you are, you know, that he's, he was a great storyteller. Yeah. I think the, a lot of
1: people would probably agree with that. Yeah, well, he, and,
0: he, and he was good. So, yeah. you know, he's left his mark with that, his, his great stories, which is, mm. which is wonderful. But so, but to, to lie down there on the couch and listen with my stepfather, Wally, yeah. was awesome. And i yeah, yeah I never forget it. I won't forget it. And that was my first one.
1: Mm. Yeah, gosh, it's interesting, eh? I mean, it definitely, it, 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 it sort of, for some reason, it feels like a very simplistic thing to do, to just sit and be told a story. Mm. You know, Mm. but it also does take a significant amount of time to actually listen to a book. So, you know, (laughs) generally speaking, you are doing it with an elderly family member or or with children or, you know, there's it's quite sort of seldom. I think that a lot of people, unless you're in your car, you know, when you can get through about three chapters in any generic eight o'clock morning Auckland traffic. You're uh, you're absolutely
0: right about that. I'm hearing a few people that that have the audio books because of traffic. Yeah, Yep. And, and getting into it that way. So yep. why not? I remember we, uh, we were struggling when we first put a house on our, on our, on our section. Uh, this is my first wife, Adele. Mm. And uh, so we had nights with no telly and things like that. And so we yeah. had a little like a, like a lamp or something going on. And we'd read to each other, which is another little <laughs> it's thing. So romantic. It,
1: <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's, a good,
0: it's a good way to go to sleep,
1: mm. to have
0: someone read to you. It's such a nice thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And
0: again, to use, it's, it's great for our children because we've got so many screens for children these yeah. days. For them to actually have to listen and imagine who those characters yeah. are and what those characters look like yeah. rather than have them all presented to us, yeah. that's the other glorious thing about audio is that yeah. you have to imagine the character. And no, that's, what no. I, that's what I did with my children, and that's what they still love today. Yeah. Even though they're in their early 20s now, in the early to mid-20s.
1: Yeah, totally. They but, still I mean, love it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, And there's something about a captivating storyteller. My granddad is also blind, and I, I go read to him now because he's a bit deaf too, so he can't really um, enjoy the audiobook thing, which is a real shame. But
0: And you're reading to him.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And he's obviously picking up on what you're reading.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, but also like quite similar, it seems like to to your stepfather, very big on the the war content, yep, big on um, big on westerns, big on anything. To be honest, big on anything that actually has stakes that are similar to what they lived with. I think you know, growing up with post you know Great Depression and all that sort of stuff. I know that life back then was an incredibly different thing. I know that life mm. these days, <laughs> particularly for you know someone in that age group, 93. There's very little that he actually wants to engage in with the loudness of the kind of, you know, modern sort of society that we have. But I think there's something about just having a singular voice in his ear that makes him able to feel sort of, I suppose, a bit less alone in a story. You know, you can kind of, um, that was what it was. He was talking to me about um, how he, and you know, he's not got the greatest of memories, but he can remember pretty much every single poem that was ever taught to him at primary school. He left school when he was about 11, you know, not, not a great childhood, et cetera, but um, he remembers every single poem from his teacher. And when I asked him why, he just said, because the guy made it come to life. Mm. I remember his gestures. I remember his physicality when he would, when he would say these long ballads, you know, like Banjo-Patterson type stuff. There's pages Run, of stuff yeah. there, you know. But characters, characters and male characters in some really interesting environments that granddad, I don't think... Was used to reading about or hearing about back then, you know. Anyway, that is like, interesting.
0: Yeah, and it is, and I'm feeling a little akin with your grandfather because that's yeah. a bit like me. I get a, I get a bit blurred with too much noise from different directions. Yeah, and to have the one voice, and to tell me about things that, especially from that era, it would yeah. be, it, it would be such a nostalgic trip down there as well. Make them feel quite. You could captivate your grandfather, I think, quite well with that. It sounds like you've, you've tapped into him really
1: well, so good on you. I think so, yeah. Good on you. Thank you. Well, it's, <laughs> well, a, it's great... a tricky one. It, it is, think. people yeah. People's literary taste, which was another question that I was going to come to with you. Um, I mean, obviously, we know that you write a lot of children's literature and things like that, but do you have a favourite genre or style, just as a as a book, enjoyer? it, as a,
0: book, it, I got a, hold as a of, reader? I got a hold of the book Papillon by Henry Sharia. Oh, yeah. True story.
1: Yes.
0: I've since read it seven or eight times, and I've read the sequel, Banco, five or six times, I can promise you. The the, the greatest adventure story ever told, I think, was on the jacket of it somewhere, yeah. and I had to agree. It was phenomenal. Yeah. the uh, Henry Sharer and Papillon. I've given it to my son, and he he's fallen in love with it too. Yeah. But here's the interesting thing. My daughters, my, especially my youngest, coming on has never read any of her grandfather's books. And Barry wrote twenty-four books.
1: Really? Yeah,
0: and she's never read a one. And I've just written a movie script, right? Mm-hmm. Just finished it, and I gave it to my family, and my family really struggled to read any of it. Isn't that funny? Really? Yeah. And then I got my I, I, when I, when they I finally got them time. Everybody's lives are so busy that reading people are really struggling with reading yeah. right now. Yeah, so yeah. I gave it to my partner who's actually selling my movie script, and he still hasn't read it himself. Really? Can you believe it? Uh, so this is, it's bizarre, isn't it? But I'm, I'm finding people in reading, it's something that's, um, that they're really struggling with. Yeah. Um, they'd rather watch the movie mm. or have it read to them.
1: I know. Well, yeah, just any, anything to actually absorb the info quicker. And it, it seems, you know. We'll than the chore of reading it
0: themselves. Yeah. So this is where audio's starting to play a role as well, I think. you yeah, know. Yeah,
1: well, exactly. I mean, the sort of blessing with it, I suppose, is that you can be doing the dishes or driving your car and still achieving it, you know, whereas most of us, if we're lucky, we'll get the 10 minutes before lights out at night time in bed, and even then it's just a going to bed mechanism. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just in terms of the sheer sort of emotional and mental energy that people have for it, I think, a lot of the time. Even, you know... Even when you get really sucked into a really brilliant fiction, you know, I mean it doesn't actually happen that often anymore, though. You know, like we really you cannot put something down, you know. I love it. I love it when that happens. I well, really it, do.
0: It's it's it takes you on a trip. Yeah. It takes you on a journey. It takes you away. From it does, the hell Well, it's like are. a movie and I love movies, I mm. really do. And I love being taken on this journey, this roller coaster, whether it be and I love humour and the likes of that, yeah. but but a good story, a good book very hard to put down yes. once you've been picked up by the scruff of the neck and dragged along. Yep. And that's what happened with James Patterson.
1: Yeah.
0: What f- it's, it moves so fast across the pages. I've never had anything like James Patterson do that to me. Wow. And I'm not a huge reader. I'm not yeah. a huge reader. But, oh, my goodness, he took me on a journey. I love James Patterson's um, The Jester. It's a, yeah. And what it boiled down to was a romance. It was set in the Crusades of, the yeah. year of about the 10th, 11th century – but basically, it, apart from all the blood and the guts and the gory of it all, it was a romance, yeah. and I love that too. Don't we always want the good guy to win? Don't yeah. we always want them to get together? You do in the finish. Yeah, I think totally. we all do. Yeah. Uh, but I love that. So that's so. There's two adventure stories that I just loved, and that was Papillon by Henry Sharer, true story, mm-hmm. uh, which is fascinating, and then James Patterson's Jester. Now there. So I think adventure is something that I love, and I love yeah. and I love humour. Um, yeah, so that's yeah. the two genres that I've that I, that's really swept me away in my life.
1: Yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, yeah. it seems like I mean, I suppose they're they're the sort of two genres that would probably best describe Barry in a way. That like perhaps. Yeah. Do we think maybe? Yeah, definitely.
0: Because a lot of it was. Well, he, he stole a lot of people's stories out of the pub, of course, but a, yeah. lot, a lot of them he had himself, you know. Yeah,
1: totally, yeah. And,
0: and, he, and he said himself, never let the truth get in the, in the way of a good yarn, you know. Yeah. So, so it had, usually they had a little string or a little stream of truth in them because yeah. there's, there's always that. You've always got something that you've got to fall back on.
1: Well, it always comes from somewhere, right? Does. Like, like we were saying, that acorn or that seed. Yes. Like, you know, there's always – you almost owe it to that acorn or seed to make sure that, that, you, that you – Return to it, I suppose, or that you that you bring it in there with the substance, you know, well, throughout well, the novel, throughout th- the writing. I
0: think it gives the story confidence. because yeah. you're telling it with confidence because it's got that bit of truth in it. Yeah, because you you're telling it from that from that angle, and it and it seems to work better that way. Doesn't yeah, yeah. It? I, but it looks like it does to me. I was with my father when we knocked around together and and had a really. I got to know him quite well over this time because I, I never called him Dad, I only called him Barry. He wrote uh, a story while we were together and handed it to me every week when we were paying playing golf together, and he handed it to him. We'd spent a night in a quarry on a road called Puhar Road in the far north at my brother's wedding, and I'm sitting on a log in this quarry, and I'm sleeping in the back of my car, and Barry is sleeping in the back of his Volkswagen van that he had at the time, and I'm sitting on this log. It's got quite dark. The wedding's well over, and I'm getting cold, and I'm getting hungry. And uh, I didn't go to my car and get a jersey to put on because I'll break the spell of the story he's telling me. Mm. And then I, I I wanted something to eat, and I and I and I hate pumpkin, and all he had was pumpkin. <laughs> but we put but we put pumpkin in the in the in the camp oven and swung that over the open fire, and I I ate pumpkin and I loved pumpkin with my cup of tea with condensed milk, <laughs> while while Barry told me these stories. And it was only a week later he started handing me a um, his manuscript, which was um, written in Longham in an exercise book. And it was called Puhar Road, the road that we were actually sleeping in, it was on that road, and it runs onto my brother's property. So, right, so that is the movie script that I've just written.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask that, yeah. So it was, it was it's, it's, it's Road that's going
0: that I've written the script for.
1: Forward for, yeah, right, brilliant. Because obviously, I mean, the majority of the country slash world will know, I imagine, but for those that don't, the few that don't, um, uh, Barry also wrote Wild Pork and Watercress, which. Are, sort of, I suppose, was the, the literary basis for um, Hunt for the Wilder People.
0: It was. It was. And Talk
1: to t- us about that process. How exciting was that?
0: Well, that, <laughs> that was incredible because, you know, Barry passed away in 96, so that was a yeah. long while later. But I, I got approached for, for someone to have the rights of wild pork and watercress. Mm. I was with Barry when he was with that little boy. So the so it was a little autobiographical autobiograph- uh, with right. a, a young Maori fellow called Kunch. And so you had Julian Dennison on the on the on the yeah. movie yeah. and of course Barry was a part of um, Sam Neill mm-hmm. um, so you had these two knocking around together and I followed them while Kunch drove my father and Kunch was about 11 or 12 mm. and he drove my father from Pateru to Apotiki yes because my father was drinking very yeah, right. very irresponsible yeah, and, yeah. and neglectful I will let's be straight up about that But I saw them together, and I saw that magic between the two of them, Mm. and if that could ever be put on the screen, because the book was fabulous, it was a great story, and it's a, there's something about a bit of chemistry that happens, or whatever, Mm. well, he captured an atmosphere on a page, my father, very well in a lot of books. Mm. Some books he wrote was to put petrol in the car and keep moving, to pay some bills, but some were of of, of vital importance to, I think, as New Zealand, Mm. to hear these stories put together, and so I was getting these um, Puha Road manuscripts, every uh, uh, chapters, every week that I'd play golf with Barry. And he said, just proofread it and cross out all the mistakes. There were very few mistakes. Yeah. But I got so into the story of Puha Road. I loved the story so much that after Hunt for the Wilder People was made and Taika did such a wonderful job yes, of was so, I agree with that. was so pleased he did that for us and for New Zealand to tell that story, mm. um, that I put Puha Road in his letterbox. And, and in the producer's letterbox to see if they'd like to take that up next. Well, we know what happened to Tiger next. He's, at the moment, he's making the latest Star Wars movie. Mm. We've lost Tiger to Hollywood at this stage. So I couldn't have him for this particular, but I've given it to him, my script. Great. Um, and and he was very kind about everything that I wrote with it because what Barry wrote was the, was the book, mm. but it didn't make a, a movie yes. story. So that yeah, yeah. means something else. So totally
1: different, eh?
0: It is. So that was another little exercise that I've that I've done in my life. Whether it becomes, it, it ends up on the screen or not, I don't know. Yeah. But I turned that beautiful story that I was with my father of Puha Road into a movie at this stage, and we'll see what happens. It's with the New Zealand Film Commission at the moment, and we're oh, just we're, we're just waiting to hear. But we've got a producer and a director that really like the script. Brilliant. So we'll go from there. But the story itself, I don't know where my father came up with these stories. They were just so good. I mean, Puha Road. Is about a guy called Muxy, Eric Charles Muxworthy, who has the worst luck in the world, but has the most optimistic, wonderful feel about people. Loves people, always so kind, always so generous. Yeah. But the worst things in the world happen to them. So it's hilarious yeah. what happens to him.
1: We love those stories. <laughs> but as bad,
0: as bad as his bad luck is, it comes good mm. with the most magical thing. So this one is set in the nineteen seventies where we had tolls on the Harbour Bridge.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And that's where the luck changes. So watch this space and let's see what happens. That's so, so exciting. Yeah, so that's how that and, – and to be creative with my father after he's passed away. Yeah. So there's been two books and now this movie thing that I've done with my father posthumously. Yes. I hope he's all right with it. He's, he, there's not much he can do with it <laughs> about it now.
1: I'm sure he's stoked. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he'd be absolutely stoked. My goodness. So there's nothing There's nothing of Puha Road – Published day eh, at all? Is, is there
0: the pu- the book Puha wrote is published?
1: Yes, yes, right. But the but the the last the last section. Oh no, right. So the the last few chapters you wrote back now, when he was still alive. Yeah, no, right? he
0: finished it. He finished the book. He finished. It. He did okay. finish the book right. Puha wrote. So it was you... published in 1982.
1: Oh gosh. Okay. There we go. <laughs> I think I'm well not... off the mark then.
0: Published in... so, you published know, so look a lot of these things and 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 books that are earlier than that you'd have a lot of trouble publishing them these days yeah. because of the the talk. And the treatment of women and sure. obvious things that were just different back then. Yeah. And Barry was a bit rough. You know, he Let's <laughs> be honest, he was violent and rough too. He was a drinker and a, all sorts of other things, but also a magical storyteller. You like know?
1: all of the best, wonderful lowies that we always meet in the bloody clubs and stuff, you know, honestly. I, 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 I grew up like that, you know. My, my dad's run nightclubs and now is the president of the RSC, you know, it's like.
0: I know your dad.
1: I bet you do. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people do. Fact, but they're just very, you know, like, honestly, the best stories that I have ever, ever heard were between, yeah, oh God, six years old, 11 years old, 13 years old, 17, now, you know, um, yeah. still visiting those places. As soon as there's a couple of drinks and some of those old guys, yes. the colour that comes from them oh. is just incredible. And I'm not advocating, you know, whatever, not... You go do whatever makes you happy. I'm not saying that it's a that it's the healthiest thing that they do or the way that they live, but I tell you what, there is some incredible richness in the conversations that take place in those environments between those guys and 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 the women. You know, all all of their you know wives, partners, etc. etc. that they become living members of the sort of fable fabric of those environments. You know, because a lot of those places are so old. You know, like. Think about I don't know how, how long has the Point Chev RS, RSA been there, or how long has the Grey Lynn Raza been? I, I don't know. It's been a, a very long time.
0: Well, you're, to, you're, <laughs> well, you're talking post-war, so so you're yeah. talking the late forties,
1: right? Well, there you go.
0: A long, a long, long time, and a
1: yeah. long time where a lot of people felt at home. Mm in those environments more so than elsewhere or more so than their own homes a lot of the time as well. You know, I remember Dad telling me all these horrific stories about six o'clock swill and all that sort of stuff, you know, but and I know that there was a really horrific part of it, but I also know, based on so many jovial, wonderful stories that he's told me over the years, I mean, there have been some incredible movies made from those sorts of conversations as well, you know, that we might not even understand that that's where the seed was from, you know, all that kind of stuff, yeah. And also people... People reconnecting after sometimes fifty or sixty years of not having seen each other and those stories, you know? Yeah. Like, so whatever happened to that dog you had when you were six, or what you know, like it just it just goes on and on and on and it's it's such a it's a really beautiful thing to be able to bear witness to and it's something that we don't get so that got, often these days anymore either. Well you're you know? just
0: a young lady, but you've 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 got it in one. You understand that your dad and, and, and your dad's genre of... of, of who were sitting down telling those stories. And the 6 o'clock closing, I remember my mum coming into the lounge and she'd do a big twirl. Yeah. And she'd go, our, our, our house in New Lynn was at Communist Party headquarters for, for Auckland. <laughs> wow. Frank Sargison, wow. The, yeah, the author, right. from, was, yep. my, was my grandmother's closest friend. And so she, my grandmother bought the house in 1954. I was born in the house. Um, we had someone that come to stay for a day and they stayed for a year. Um, <laughs> Um, Kevin Island was Kevin Island was my mum's friend, and so Kevin became when Barry came out of the bush and and uh, when he was twenty three, yes. he met my mum. My mum had already been married. Mum met Barry in the Vic Pub, and he was telling the, the story of Eskimo Nell. It was a very naughty poem, mm-hmm. about sixty something verses. My brother and I have since learnt it, and you're not allowed you're not allowed to write it down. You've got to learn it by memory. Okay. And if you watch the Toyota ads <laughs> that my dad was in, yeah. And one of them, he's poking, he's with Scotty, and they're sitting on the beach, and he's poking the fire, and he starts off by going, uh, a few of the boys are whooping it up in one of the Yukon halls, and the guy in charge of the music box was, and he was just starting Eskimo Nell, which you can't tell anymore on television, you're just not allowed to. And that's where he stopped it. But that's where my mum met my dad, and it was that kind of storytelling aliveness, 6 o'clock swill, yeah. pubs were closed at 6, so yeah. the parties happened at people's places, so yeah. the parties were alive, and conversation was alive. Yeah, Because I, 1959, we had no television. It was all parties, and I remember at five years of age, mum's parties were wild.
1: Yeah. People,
0: people <laughs> everywhere, and there was that marijuana stuff around, yeah. and there was all these things happening at my mum's parties, let alone my own. Yeah. So... Yeah. <laughs> My mum's uh, party were wilder than oh mine. No, they
1: were naughty, eh? Good But, that, Lord. but, but they were the
0: literary circle. These yes, were yes. These were... High educated. Yeah, these were people, um, professors of linguistics and anthropology of mum's friends. We had our blinds painted by... Really good artists, yeah. Just the blind in the kitchen. So we had this beautiful picture planted by a top artist, just in the kitchen. So these were mums. That was a lot that was hanging around with my dad and yeah, my mum, yeah, and of and so they're the stories that I grew up with. Why wouldn't you carry on telling stories yourself? And yeah. and you are. You're mm. telling your grandfather stories now.
1: Indeed, isn't Indeed. that a wonderful? Thing? I know, gosh, I know generations of them. It's <laughs> it's, it's 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 I don't know. I think it's wonderful. I love stories. I love them. I'll actually that um, I rem- reminded. I read a quote of yours. I think somewhere um, a while ago, which was, "You believe that it is important to record and capture stories before they're lost." Yeah. Before they're lost. Yeah. I mean, I I I feel the same. I think there's um there's nothing better than a bloody good memoir, you know, like a really 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 good memoir. Just um, getting a glimpse into a stranger's life or um. Someone that behaved or was perceived differently when they than then, than then they actually were you know um to the public or anything like that I'm a huge fan of them. Um, do you have in the pipelines anything autobiographical by any chance or anything like your own sort of memoir that Yeah, well there is', is on a, the cards yeah, or?
0: funny should say that because we've just been um we've actually even been paid the advance already. We love that! Yeah, Yay. <laughs> you don't see that much anymore. <laughs> no. uh, Barry's boys.
1: Uh, Barry's boys.
0: Barry's boys have been asked um, to write. Well, actually, we're going to get it. They were going to get an author, but I know that my brothers can write, and I know that I can a little do. Nice. So we've decided to write uh, what it's like to be born in the shadows, or uh, as the sons of uh, Barry Crump. So that is um, a book that's being done right now. Uh, we're supposed to be finished writing it by October and released next year. So that one's happening as we speak. And so while I'm writing down little bits and pieces, which I'm doing at the moment, it's sitting down on my coffee table at home uh, of the little bits and pieces that happened and when was I first aware of who my father was. And it starts. Mm. Fr- and it starts from there. And the influence someone like him would have on your life. So... And the first time I remember seeing him was when we first got our telly, and he was on Town and Around rip, <laughs> ripping a wedding dress up to check the oil on the dipstick on the on the Land Rover that he was driving. He was doing little skits at the time. Amazing. Yeah.
1: What was that called, that, ta- ta- that ta- show? Town and Around. Town and Around. Yeah. yeah that's right. Uh,
0: ba- uh, Barbara Magna, Keith Bracey, a uh, whole host of others, and and, and there was my fa- and my mum would say, well, that's your father. And the first time I ever meet, uh, remember meeting my father, I was nine years of age. Mm. I'd only ever seen him or heard about him. And if you go around with a name like Grump in a small, you know, town like New Zealand, yeah. people are going to say, well, are, are you any relation? You know, and yes. of course, you've got to put on some sort of show and do a dance if you are. But I remember uh, our birthdays are two weeks apart. His fifteenth of May. I'm the twenty ninth. And he rang up and he said, uh, "What's Martin interested in?" He rang up, ringing up Mum, and she says, "Oh, carpentry." And uh, he says, oh, "We'll put him on." And I'm talking to my dad for the very first time, and I'm nine. I'm going, "Jesus, yeah, wow, yeah. so It was a bit of a thing because because he was, you know, he was quite well known. Yeah, yes, yeah, sure. So I sort of felt a little bit starstruck. I've got to be honest, myself. Yeah. You know, not never called him dad yeah. or anything. So he, he says, uh, "Martin," I go, "Yeah, Barry." He goes, "Yeah." He said, our birthdays, they're they're right now, so, um, you know, both together. Why don't we have a night out tonight? I said, fantastic. He said, I'll pick you up at 6 o'clock. I said, incredible. So we hung up. He he turned up at 11 o'clock that night with two cheeseburgers and a hammer. (laughs) I was uh,
1: gonna say, like, okay, so what actually happened? Yeah,
0: (laughs) two cheeseburgers and a hammer at eleven o'clock at night, and buggered off. I never saw him for another five years.
1: Two cheeseburgers, like Macca's cheeseburgers.
0: Yeah, they weren't Macca's in those days. weren't Macca's in those days, right? Cheeseburgers.
1: (laughs) Oh my
0: god! But to have him sit on my bed with the two cheeseburgers was actually okay, you know, and I didn't feel that aggrieved about it because I because I found the whole dinner thing with with Barry, and he wasn't good as a dad, and there's a very good reason for that, his own childhood. And once you're armed with that information about where he came from, there's no need for you to be a victim. His his upbringing was horrendous. My uncle wrote a book called "An Endless Fear."
1: Yes, yeah.
0: A month a a month after Barry died, uh, Wally died. My my grandfather. I've got a Wally that's a stepfather. I've got a Wally that's a grandfather. Mm -hmm. Well, he he was a family monster. Yeah. And and he's not just for the crumps. There was monsters in a lot of people's families because no Mm. one questioned the man of the house. Yeah, yeah. And they got away with far too much. Like my. Grandfather Wally did. Mm. Um, but Colin told me the story, and, and Barry only ever said he was a hard old man. Well, he was frightening. Yeah, yeah. He was frightening. That book, of, An Endless Fear, would. So I gave that to all my brothers. Yeah, because so I've got eight marriages between my mother and father, you mm-hmm. see, so it makes things a bit interesting. And you're talking about stories and, and autobiographical. Well, I've started doing the family history a bit. And wow. And we're part Russian. My, really? Yeah, my great-grandfather was Martin. And he was in the Tsar's Navy and jumped ship and came to New Zealand and started a, a, a farm. Well, before that, he had a fish and chip shop in 1905 and Thai Happy and went bankrupt. Wow. I've owned my own fish and chip shop.
1: Have you? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so I,
0: I feel a little akin to Martin, and I've got his chair at home, and it's a beautiful, great, big chair. I love the chair. Wow. It's an old, old brown chair. I probably get about $10 for it, but the stories that chair can tell. Yes. He, a fantastic guy my my gran- now i didn't know his father but i found out recently mm. who my great grandfather was my great great grandfather's name was peter he was in he was in estonia not russia though mm-hmm. estonian and in 1903 he's 73 and he's fallen off his sleigh drunk in the snow and died the sleigh kept going this is the first story of my family story, and wow. I've only just found this out that my great great grandfather Peter Enso uh, was, you know, got drunk, seventy three years of age, fell off the sleigh and never made it back home because it was in the middle of you know Estonia in the winter. And hello, oh how about that? So that's I'm going to not I'm not just going to put the dates and who married who and what children yeah, yeah. they had. Yeah. I'm actually going to tell the story
1: yeah yeah of
0: martin and peter mm. and who came after
1: I which mean, is more interesting anyway i think so you don't want to see a bunch of dates and who begat who and who begat who no because
0: you know. we just don't care no as we children don't, we don't care we no, just don't care no 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 we I can't relate to it i i I, mean, I don't mean to say we don't care mm. it's something we just can't relate to yes but you will relate to martin the guy that was in the Tsar's navy who yelled charge in Sydney as he left a brothel and (laughs) picked up a sack of spuds in his teeth when he arrived to Auckland because he was a bit of a showman and did these crazy things. Now, that's the Martin I want to tell you about, not just his date of his birth and his death.
1: Yes, yeah, of course.
0: So that's my project at the moment, is doing that family thing and plus writing about being the son of... After Barry died, I did uh, uh, two or three documentaries Mm -hmm. and and other things, and I ended up, after Barry died, at Barry's funeral, one of his girlfriends came up to me and said, Marty, do you know that when the tall tree falls, it lets light onto all the little trees? And it made me think, ooh, what have I got inside me, I wonder. And it was from that day that I wrote a radio show show called Swing the Billy, went to News Talk ZB, and got a job. Bill Francis gave me a job. Uh, at News Talk and I started the midnight to dawn shifts on on Talkback. Didn't know anything about it, and I was, I was te- <laughs> and I was terrible for a long time.
1: I was going to ask that. How do you manage that? Just, I haven't been to study it. I don't know really what I'm doing. But here's an idea. Do you want to buy into it? I just that's so great. You know. It just doesn't happen like that anymore. You'd, no. You'd need a fifty thousand page treatment and you'd need a lawyer or someone. To well, that's
0: <laughs> right. I only had six months of high school education. I was fourteen and I'm out and I, I didn't know about computers and computers run the whole show, so I yeah. shut the whole station down one night. I did terrible things. But you know what I you know what I what I really did and what I really connected with is when I started talking to, to us. Yeah, yeah to New Zealanders out yeah. there. That's when I started feeling at home. And when they started talking to me and we started sharing stories in the night and and what and i became a voice in the night and i hope, hopefully helped a few people too and yeah, yeah. with that i ended up 14 years and talked talk back from that and just to see what i had inside me yeah so communicating is what i do i I'm, yeah. com- I'm a communicator and yeah. like yourself uh, and and it's, some people can and some people you know some people would rather would rather be in the coffin than speak at the funeral you know that yeah. uh, that's just how it is and i i'm that other one that doesn't mind yeah you know and i and i love communicating i love telling a story I just hope st- I hope there's still a platform for it, and that's why audiobooks are Im- are important.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I think I was going to ask. Did you um, did you find it? Were there barriers or anything? You know, to, to actually stepping away from say radio and stepping into literature, or stepping into wanting to be a children's book publisher, for example. You know, um, doing those big sort of side jumps. You know, they are quite vast in this day and age. To be quite, you know, that's that that's a complete industry separation you mm. know what I mean were, like, were were there any sort of difficulties or like you know I mean obviously you're saying that you shut down the whole of Radio New Zealand and tried to learn how they worked Or well, sorry to um, talk back the sort of uh, teething period stepping stone stuff you know of you sort of yeah. s- stepping into new territory oh I mean, absolutely well, see Barry um,
0: Barry had already done it he had, a
1: sh- yeah, he-, right, okay. he had a
0: radio show called B- The Bush Telegraph. Yes, yeah, I recall radio that. Radio yeah. Pacific from 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. And, w- and after 7 a.m., we'd meet at the Waitakere Golf Course and have a round of golf on a Monday yeah. to Tuesday, t- mm-hmm. two rounds a day. That was after he finished that shift. So I got to meet Gordon Dr- Dryden in, in, in the big in right. B- bowl. And, yeah, okay. And, that's- and so I had a little toe in the door with that as well. And f- to be honest with you, it felt a little natural. Yeah, For me I, yeah, didn't, I, didn't,
1: I, can, see, I can sense that. Yeah.
0: I, I struggled so much technically with, with, with things, because the computers do run in your station, yeah, they, yeah. like well, they're Absolutely. recording everything we're doing now. Yeah. So I did struggle with that, and I certainly struggled with uh, format and how it was all done. I went on air that first night without any topics. What on earth was I doing? It's because <laughs> I, I tell you why I did it because I hadn't listened to Talkback. I hadn't even really listened to it ever in my life. Wow. And went on and did it. What would you do? I just
1: started Is ta- there a recording of that? I,
0: I hope not. <laughs> in How the archives
1: somewhere? That would be so amazing. I wow. hope not. Oh.
0: <laughs> I tell you, when I was on air, I was on air at 11 minutes past one on September the 11th, 2001, wow. when that plane hit the, hit, the, hit the buildings. Far out, gosh. And, and I'm finishing work when Paul Holmes is starting. We've got our top yeah, broadcaster. Yeah, yeah. And I'd have a couple of Siggies downstairs with Paul.
1: Mm.
0: Well, he's about to start. And he's got a team. He's got a team of eight, nine people. Yeah. Producers and this and that and the other. But Paul's a fantastic. The best part of Paul's show, can I say, is when he's ad libbing. Because he's got every yeah. he's got every little inch. There's a little pie they do for an hour on radio. And you've got to fill that pie up. And he's breakfast radio, which is the most important, the mo- the hardest to do. Mm. And he's doing breakfast radio and primetime television. Morning and night. I don't know how he did it. Yeah. Uh, but I was with Paul when he fell apart. I was with Paul when he had a marriage breakup. I saw him in all sorts of different places. Mm. So good. And I watched how he did So I learned off him a lot too. Yeah, right. Even when I was feeling terrible, when I was going through something and I had a six-hour shift to go through on my own,
1: mm.
0: I remember one. you had to put your own out of delay and put a sting on and read your own news, put another sting on, read your own sport, put another sting on, read your own weather, Come back into the delay, put a little ad, and then take your own calls while you're on air, taking talking to someone. Yeah. you're taking another call to be your next caller. Do that without any technical help. So I learned to do that. That was yeah. that was something I managed. Mm. But I did learn from those other people. Yeah, you know about how to do it. I watched Kerry Woodham started the same. Well, she's Kerry McIver now, but yes, yeah. she started the same weekend I did, and she's still there.
1: Oh, of course, at, at wow, So she
0: became she God. was really good and and helpful.
1: Yeah, and gave yeah.
0: me gave me whatever she had on her topics that night. Would give them to me, and I'd carry on with her topics as well. Oh, that's so until great. I learned to do it. But wh- I didn't want to talk about politics. I didn't. No, want, <laughs> but a lot of people did. I didn't want to talk about all of that sort of stuff. I wanted to know. I wanted to know about you. I wanted mm. to know more about the people and yeah. your life story and that sort of thing. That's what really got me going.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: So, but at nighttime talkback, you had the luxury of time. Yeah, you could spend ten minutes with someone and actually talk to them and find out about them, mm. and so we became friends and to, yeah. to, to some of them. Some of them I still speak to, and talk to now, and a I haven't bit. done talk back. I haven't done talk back for a while. Yeah, but voices are as recognisable as a face.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I was at my daughter's birthday last Wednesday, and somebody said Martin Crump. Never met each other, but he heard me talk. Yeah, yeah, and it's just through through the radio. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I know it's quite interesting. Quite interesting how how that sort of vocal recognition seems to be really, really acute in people. Mm. You know, you'd be able. I mean, I I do um, voice stuff for a couple of different brands and things, and I have. A, I was at the bakery. I was at the bakery the other day, and I was I was ordering a pie or something like that. Um, and someone behind me was asking, was like, you know, tapped me on the shoulder, and was like, "Do you do the thing about the about the that?" You know. I was like, oh yes I do. And she started asking me about the actual content of the ad, like about the actual like interest rates and you know, stuff like that, like actual facts about, you know. And I was like, I don't <laughs> love, I don't I don't run the company. I just um, you know, <laughs> I, I stand in front of a microphone and make things sound pretty, you know, like <laughs> really, really interesting. But, you know, it, it kind of it it does hearken into that, um, to that sort of topic or notion that when you've got someone's voice in your ear they do become a mate or they become someone that you feel like you've got a real affinity with even if and you sort of forget i think sometimes that they don't know you <laughs> or that, you know they got no you'd have no concept of who that person was at that funeral you know wedding sorry was it a wedding uh, that you were talking about the bloke that said Martin Crump, and they'd never even met you before. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah that was yeah, my daughter's birthday.
1: Birthday, sorry. Yeah, yeah. There you yeah go. No,
0: exactly. That's right. And it's um, I worked with Alice Worsley. She was my partner at uh, mm. Radio Pacific for some time. She's got a beautiful voice. I remember yeah. driving back from Wellington. I did a I did the Masterton sheep shearing thing.
1: Oh uh, yeah. So I took my
0: producer and I <laughs> went down there, and we drove. We were driving back, and it was Alice on the radio? And I loved it. Yeah, she's it was like a friend, and and Alice yes. has got a beautiful voice. Uh, she's a, a a funeral celebrant now, and um, really, and wedding one, yeah. She and she is so good at it. I bet. Uh, she's I bet. She's God. fantastic. She came to Uncle Collins actually and did Uncle Colin. Um, but yeah, she was. But having a good voice like that in the night, I think, so mm. important. And I, I used to question what I was doing. I'd I ended up with five children under five, and, and 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 when you get up in the morning and you've got to stay awake after a big night, it gets quite hard. Do you know what I mean? So you've yeah. got to sort of. But then I, I had a friend and a, and, and a family member say to me, well, you got to remember you're a voice in the night for some people and it's t- doing them some good. And I I started seeing that, that there, yeah. there, there's a reason for what I was doing. Yes. Because uh, those listening could be your nana, Absolutely. Granddad. So so I treated everyone with respect and yep. kindness. And there's people on full moon nights that, are, that aren't together, that aren't that well.
1: Yeah, I know. So I'm
0: yeah. very, very aware of that kind of thing and still – must maintain treating people with respect and kindness mm. because they are us. And I, you know, I made, um, so I, I felt like there was a worthwhile thing to do. And I, and I like yeah. it. Mm.
1: No, I think those um, those sort of, especially in a, you know, especially in a country like New Zealand where even if you're in quite a sort of, you know, cosmopolite sort of city, you can be quite isolated. You know, yeah. we, you, you can be isolated if you're hermiting in the middle of the Uruwetas, but you can also be isolated in the middle of Avondale. You know, we're, a, we're, we're somewhat of a nation for that, you know, and I think we really do underestimate how much aliveness and how much activity there is in our country in those witching hours. Mm. You know, yeah. just genuinely people awake.
0: <laughs> there are. There's, you a, know? there's a family, there's been a book on them. There's been also, really? on, the, on the overnight people, there's a book on them. I'm
1: going to look for that So cause you I ha- want to know what the hell that is.
0: I think that the came, yeah. Barry did a book called The Bush Telegraph. I did a book myself, and everything that the, that the uh, audience wrote in or gave me, I would put that in a, in a book and hand it all back to them. And Barry did exactly the same thing.
1: Wow, hey.
0: yeah, so, I d- so that was
1: all from conversations that you'd had yeah, with people, yeah. and you just decided to notate it. And
0: You wouldn't believe where you'd go. One night, I remember talking about the Big Bang, somebody brought up the Big Bang, and I <laughs> and I didn't. You know, well, I only went to school to eat other people's lunch, you know, there's lots, there's lots I didn't know. Sure. So, uh, but our audience uh, being bright and alive yeah, and, yeah. and knowing things put it out there and you've only got to put it out there and there it is if you needed to know anything put it out there mm. but the big bang went for two nights
1: i bet oh uh, and
0: other things went for a night i remember having a really quiet time one night in, in the middle of the night between three and four in the morning so i said look just indulge me for a second and i got a uh, a, a couple of chapters of barry's book out of fred and it was about white bait uh, uh catching white bait mm-hmm. on the west coast of the south island just out of Hokitika and it explained everything so beautifully well, like the top of the mountains with little ice cream caps, and he was drawing out possum skins on the front of the Land Rover while driving along up the uh, up the West Coast and just describing everything that he went into the general store to get something, but he was out the back white-baiting himself and left the whole store open with the till and everything. But nobody would ever think of touching that because that was the time. Yeah, yeah. And he described it so well, and I read these two chapters out on air, and I said, look, if anyone's listening that, that has some... Re- that feels akin to this. Mm. Give me a call. Oh, um, eight hundred eighty ten eighty. There's the number from yeah, News Talk there I don't know how that came there, but it did. <laughs> and uh, I got so many calls from the West Coast people.
1: I bet at, for God.
0: the rest of the morning they were going, oh yes, and this and th-, and it just did such a nice thing for them. And, and, and yeah. so they had their morning. Everybody mm. gets a turn.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. I know. It's just having 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 platform, eh? I mean, I think it's. It's, it's tricky in this in this day and age where we have so much you know social media and loudness in that sort of way you know um everyone is entitled to publication everyone is published everyone is a self-publisher Every, you know everyone is um everyone is entitled to their their soapbox to their rant corner to their like whatever it is that they want to um, put out into the world to be considered valid or have uh, validated opinions there's a platform for a lot of those members mm. in that audience though they don't engage with those same platforms. So in terms of them getting that same sense of validation or just heardness, <laughs> like being listened to, you know, oh. and just someone taking an interest in what their little story was that happened 14 years ago with, with Marjorie out back. You know what I mean? It, the importance I it's, of a good it's so important. You the know? importance
0: of a good listening ear is for no, it's yeah. phenomenal. I mean, if you take talk back, I mean, there's only less than 1% ring up. Most yeah. most are listening.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. But
0: you, that, that's still a very important key to it all because you actually get a bit of a pulse of what everyone's feeling. You yeah. get I mean, I'd start out at night quite often with a very strong opinion on something that may have happened, and da da da. da. I'd soon get talked around. Yeah. By common sense mm. and the truth from people that knew it. Yes. And you could hear it. You you knew the truth when you heard it, pretty yeah. much most of the time, and well, hopefully I did. And I'd go home with a totally different opinion, and then I'd be all espousing this and that, you know, yeah, the yeah. following day because yeah. because people had. And that was us again. It was New Zealand, mm. which, which I love. Yeah, yeah. More than anywhere, I love the, I love this country and the people and the story. I got so many great stories out of this country. We've got a yeah. lot. We've got a lot yet to tell.
1: I know. I know. And
0: see and watch and listen to yeah. in this country. There's yeah. such a lot more to tell.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. What's well, interesting? I mean, we've been working so much recently. I finished a project. Um, was on. Uh, last sunday um documentary about centerpoint called from heaven to hell uh, mm. from heaven and hell bert potter um yeah i played maggie that was a fun role um, <laughs> so great it was a brilliant brilliant movie thank you Warner brothers it was a, it was a divine thing but um you know i think there are so many people that grew up or were children in and around the sort of 70s or like mm. you know late 60s 70s um i mean i was i was sort of growing up i suppose in like the 90s and early 2000s i guess you know i was Whereas I think for a lot of those guys that were growing up around that period and they were experiencing a lot of those really massive news stories firsthand and also a lot of their peers were potentially affected by things like that, you know, I mean, there's some incredible stuff that happened in the 70s and 80s in New Zealand, like some of the most incredible stuff that this history ever has happened in those decades, you know. And I think that all of a sudden those young people have grown up with all of the feeling and the... the, um, and the fervour in them about whatever happened then. And now they've grown into positions where they're all of a sudden producers or, you know, um, they are directors or they are executive producers at places like Māori Television and whatnot, you know, or the head of TVNZ or something like that. So they're in, they've placed themselves and worked themselves into positions where they are able now to tell those stories bloody well, mm. you know. Mm. Like you could make a low-budget version of whatever those stories were in your 20s or while you're testing your stuff out, but... I think those guys strategically saved some of those real big tales till they had the money, the knowledge, the know-how and the people to really nail it, you know. And there's there's so many that are coming out just, you know, in, in this year to come. We've got um, works about the Pacific Panthers, obviously works about Centrepoint. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're rebuilding the whole fantasy sort of section of things and, and also utilising a lot more child actors too in a lot of the stories that are being told here now. And obviously... With COVID, no one can film anywhere else. So we're kind of, or it's very difficult for them to, you know. So we're sort of in a wonderful position to, I hope, leverage that to make sure that some of these really incredible New Zealand stories that oftentimes all they do need is just an injection of money. Yeah. You know, it's generally just that they've got the people and they're bloody good people. Film Commission can only afford to fund what it can. CNZ can, is same, same position, you know, NZ on a, All of them are all in the same sort of, boat you know and oftentimes so many of those projects it seems sort of just don't quite make it over the line but i feel like if there was international interest or i don't know someone with an international bank account (laughs) it would be so much more doable you know we're sort of um hamstrung a bit here but i have a lot of faith we have a lot of hope for our industry i think and obviously um we're gonna have puha road to look forward to soon I'm, i'm 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 really excited about that i hope the rest of the world is too i bet you are it's oh, gonna be. Yeah. It's gonna be. Yeah, I think um, it's. I mean, Tyke has got a very, very specific directorial voice and directorial style. You know, I think anything that he does is gonna bring a sort of cheeky whirlwind of nuanced humor through it. You know what I mean? So it'd be it'd be interesting to see what happens with this next one. It will um, be. It'll be really really cool. Yeah. Um, I was gonna mention quickly. So I know audiobooks NZ they've got like about three of your titles up. And there's about fifteen or so of your father's. But you narrated them all, didn't you?
0: Yeah, I got, yeah. got my son to do a couple. But oh, you yeah, got my son to do a couple, yeah, yeah. but I did I did do them, yeah. What
1: was the, what, what was it like? I mean, obviously you've worked in radio, you understand your voice and whatnot, but what was it like narrating dad's stories? Well,
0: I can't stand listening to my own voice, I know that. And really? I th- and I think most people are like that, I don't know. Are you like that? Do you like hearing your own voice? I can't, I don't... <laughs>
1: I've never really even thought about it as a thing of liking or not. It's always just been work, really. I
0: remember we'd, <laughs> we'd, we'd, we'd have to do an ear check with the boss and, and, and you'd have to listen to your own voice. And I'm thinking, oh, no, I don't like the sound of that very much. Yeah, yeah. But, but I like wow. everybody else's. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. But um, what was it like narrating? Well, I did. Oh, my first one was Wild Pork and Watercress, and I did it mm. in, a, in a friend's studio. I didn't do it through audiobooks, yeah. but Theo helped me. Clean all that up, yeah, Because yeah. I hadn't done one before, so I actually did an audio book before I knew about audio books, New beautiful. Zealand. I so, so cool. I went, I went and did it myself because I thought there was a good need or a reason for this. Yeah, totally. So I read that because it's a great story, and I think and listen to stories. So, the the what I did find out narrating, how much energy you need, mm-hmm. that surprised me a lot. That I needed to get up, I needed to have breaks quite often. Yes. To get energy just to talk. I mean, I but I had voiced uh, the first two seasons of Police Ten Seven.
1: Oh, really? Yes. Oh, god. So did the first, cool.
0: did the first couple of seasons of that, I nice. did the first. Uh, I did a, a program called Strip Search. Mm-hmm. I did some other um, voiceover, a little bit of voiceover yeah, stuff yeah. for the radio. That was part of your job. Yeah. So I did a little bit of voiceover yep. work with that as well. So yeah, t- so I'd already had a little start in it, mm. but it did surprise me how much energy you needed and yeah. and to get up for it and to make it sound right and intonation and to put that in, in the right place. And yeah. there's a little art to it. And, mm. I, and as time goes on, hopefully I'm getting a little better at it. So, uh, you know, you just, you know. You I give, think you're great. Th-
1: I love <laughs> listening to it. <laughs> I, mean, I was listening to it all weekend. I was listening to um, A Good Keen Man, ah. actually, your narration of that. I loved it. So good, so good um, oh moving on I've got oh, oh I'm very aware about time we're over time anyway I will um I'll just ask a couple of a couple of other little 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 things um what advice would you give to some young writers out there? I know that's a very big question so obviously you and you and the Crump brand, I suppose are um, are certainly stalwarts, I think, and we've kind of touched on this as well for for the reemergence of a kind of good Kiwi bloke voice, yep. you know what I mean? Yep. So my question is what advice would you give to other young writers, particularly other young men who are still asserting or maybe are still sort of finding their voice in the really tiny industry that we have, particularly in the current climate?
0: Well, good, good really good question. And, and where do you start? And I think you and I touched on it nearly an hour ago whenever we started. Yeah, yeah, yep. And that was do something that you're familiar with. Get that thing that you that 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 story. Like I had a fight with my mum and peddled all the yeah. way and got the egg, and that became pedals in me. Those sorts of things. Get something that 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 you can draw on that actually has some truth to it, or something that you know of, and that will help you to get started. Get some bullet points, and then try and engage. You know, what would you like to hear? I think go to go to what you would like to have uh, to to listen to yourself. And then start with that. It's a bit like I'm a, I'm a cook, actually. So what, what what do I like to eat? I've got to do that first before I start giving that to anybody else. Yeah. So Good it's, point. A, it's the same with a story. I would, I, would, I would. That's how I would do it. Mm. I would get something that I'm very familiar with, and I'd start writing down the bullet points of that yeah. and then put it into some sort of format that starts to work. Mm. And you'd be surprised where you may end up because I didn't know that I could write until I was asked to. Yeah. And then I'd. Then I found out that I could. Yeah, the rest I, is history. Yeah, hey? I just didn't know. And, and and it turns out, yes, I can. Um, I, I'm okay at it. I wouldn't say that I'm great at it, but I've turned my hands to a few things. I don't want to be my father at all. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'd like to be Martin and not Barry Crump's son at times, and we manage that yeah yeah and you know we you move on mm. um there's a new generation of people around that have never heard of him, you know what I mean but
1: totally yeah. he's, he's
0: left his mark and and it starts with a little pair of shoes or a whatever or a little something, and mm. the your story can start
1: I love it, I love it, beautiful well, I think we're 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 probably going to have to call it a day there. I think we've touched on everything that I really wanted to touch on, but Good. I'm sure that we could you know. I could I could sit here and talk with you for another four hours easily. But what I'll do is I'll finish us off. Um I'll just double check though, how can people get in touch with you? Or for example, educators who might like to get you to visit their school or institution or anything like that, how can people find you? Is there a website? Is
0: yeah, well there, okay. there is. And my and my phone number is on the website and it's Barrycrump.com. Great. And so my my phone so if anybody needs a, a, a something to do with the old man or the the Crump because I take care of the Crump Trust um which is um you know all, all things to do with with that kind of thing so i that's part of, part of what i do and um if anybody's got a uh, an inquiry or anything like that just give, give us a bell or type something into the website and we'll get a hold of you amazing no trouble
1: brilliant well i will be putting all of that for you all into the show notes underneath the episode Thank you so much for joining us, Martin. Honestly, it was such a pleasure to finally get a chance to meet you and to get and a chance you. to talk I've with you. I've enjoyed
0: you. Your company's been wonderful. So thanks for that and good to be here.
1: Anytime. Thanks so much. Thank you. See you again next time. Thanks a lot for joining us. I'm Romy Hooper. You've been listening to Sound Salad for all things spoken and all things heard. To hear more Sound Salad episodes, go to www.soundsalad.co.nz. This has been brought to you by my gold sponsor, Audiobooks NZ. Check out their library at www.audiobooksnz.co.nz. We hope that you will have a pleasant journey, and if we can add to your comfort in any way, please do not hesitate to press
0: the call bell.